0: Do, 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 Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 626. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, uh, what's the main topic?
1: Well, we're going to talk about suffering. Um, and I want to talk about the nuance of suffering um, because... Just a few things came up this morning. One of them was the New York Marathon was this weekend. Oh, okay. And so there was a lot of pictures of people who ran it. And a lot of
0: people, pictures of people suffering.
1: <laughs> well, and that's what I want to talk about is the nuance. Like This isn't like any kind of like marathons are suffering mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people who love marathons and it gives them so much uh, sense of purpose, goal setting, um, obviously overall body health. So it's not like marathons as the problem, but that's kind of what brought it into my mind. But when we really do, with me saying that, that marathons are, there's nothing inherently bad about them. When you look beneath it of why people do them, there is an interesting element of suffering to it. You actually did, not in New York, but you did one in Ireland and I would say you suffered a bit.
0: I did one in Dublin.
1: I don't know if that was good. Not so good. It was all right.
0: Thank you. Um, So that's what we got cooking. Uh, We're going to do a Zen Parenting Moment in a second. Uh, Two quick plugs for men living. Uh, This Wednesday, we have a workshop about trust given by Mike Patterson. Mike is a friend and a co-facilitator. He's done over 100 trainings in the Mankind Project. He's a really, really amazing facilitator. So hopefully some guys want to check us out by joining us. And then next month in December, I don't have the date locked down yet, but Kathy and I did an interview with a guy named Jason Gaddis who wrote a book called Getting to Zero. And we're doing a speaker series. Speaker series is open to all genders. So as soon as I have the date, I'm going to let you guys know, guys and girls know. Um, so that
1: means open to the public.
0: Open to the public. Great. anybody can join. anybody can join us to hear Jason talk about his book. Not quite sure of the format, but it's going to be good. So stay tuned for that. And with th- my next thing, I want to talk about is a Zen parenting moment. Okay. And I'm going to start with a quote from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Of cheesecake, hold a radio over my head outside your window. Unfortunate way that makes me hate you, love you. So pick me, choose me, love me. That's Meredith it talking to sure McDreamy, exactly. also known as uh Ron. What's his name from Camp Buy Me Love? You don't remember, do you? No, okay. it's a great movie.
1: Mm-mm. Camp Buy Me
0: um. So sweetie, you talk about in the Zen parenting moment, attention lets us know that we exist in mad and matter. Positive attention is preferred, but it'll, but if it can't be found, negative attention will do. I wonder what was your inspiration for writing this moment? No,
1: I I was just thinking about,, um, I mean, we, we've talked about this on the show a lot, how negative attention seeking is um, a way that we cope,
0: you yeah. know,
1: if we are not getting our needs met, through positive attention seeking, and I I don't mean by like compliments from people, but if the efforts that we put out are not getting the kind of validation that we're looking for in the world, if for some, and I think a large part of the population, they are more willing to be negative attention seeking, maybe troublemakers, maybe instigating challenges for people, um, they'd rather be in that Category than not getting any attention at all, sure. because there's like really it's like three options, right? You're either like getting a lot of, you know, back and forth from people about the effort that you're putting out in the world, or you're getting nothing, mm-hmm. and then another option is, well, I'm just going to kind of be a jerk on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then people are tweeting me all the time. Yeah, I think I was thinking about that scene. Um, in what we do in the shadows, when Colin Robinson, the energy vampire, like figures out that he can get energy from Twitter, just by tweeting horrible things to people, (laughs) and that people like send him all their energy. And it's like a version of that, like, for people who don't get their needs met, it's a way to get your needs met in a negative way. Mm -hmm. It's and, and it can be Difficult to wrap our heads around that for those of us who are like, yeah, but kindness is what gets rewards or, and there's truth to that. But sometimes we're co- we're dealing with such a deficit that we'll take whatever we can get instead of feeling alone.
0: You know what it reminded me of? And I don't know if this is the correct part, but um, I think of, you know, in the best case scenario, we get, we feel love, right. positive attention, right? second best is probably negative attention. Right. The worst, and I think this is what you're talking about, but I was trying to do two things at once, is the idea of being ignored.
1: Well, and that's, yeah, that was exactly what I said. So
0: it reminded me of this movie scene in Breakfast Club, where Andy and Ally Sheedy's character, and she says... What do they do to you? Yeah. They ignore me. They ignore me. It's the worst. Who wants to be ignored? Well... And, you know, I thought you are going to play Fatal Attraction.
1: I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. Oh <laughs> like, talk about negative attention seeking. But, yeah, like, if you feel invisible in the world, like if you feel like nobody in your family sees you, if nobody online sees you, if nobody walking down the street sees you, you will be willing to possibly do things that aren't socially acceptable so people at least know you exist, change your number? Or I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan.
0: Yikes. Alex Forrester. I
1: know. Just, I think Forrest. Just Alex know. Forrest. Is it? Yeah, I
0: think so. Let's figure that out.
1: Okay, let's... Probably
0: not right this Well, we
1: did though. do a pop culturing about we did. Uh, Fatal Attraction, so people can go back and, and listen to that. And in no way am I saying that's okay. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, like the last paragraph I say... It's not that negative attention-seeking then equals okay. Mm-hmm. It just means that we can at least go to the intention of people. Mm-hmm. It, anything that can get us in a more compassionate mindset of why might this be happening and can help, especially if our kid is the one who's a negative attention-seeker, is in what ways... Can we start noticing what our kid is doing well? And I'm not talking about things like grades and and that they look good. It's not about, you know, the physicality of them. But do you recognize that they need to be seen in some way of like, you know, I noticed that you held the door open for someone today. Thank you. Or I really appreciate you getting up on time today. Or just, I think sometimes as parents, we believe that we need to either not say anything or only point out the negative things our kids do. Right. And it really is in our best interest and theirs to recognize what is working, yeah. what is working. And so, and I and I say this in any relationship, this is, you and I practice this too, like we can focus on the things you and I are not doing well for each other, but it sure is helpful when we notice what we are doing to make each other feel noticed yeah. or seen.
0: We as parents and human beings, I guess, tend to focus way too much on what's not working. Yeah. And the invitation is turn that upside down and see what happens.
1: Absolutely. So one thing I want to say about Zen Parenting Moment is that, you know, as we said last week, now it's just coming out on Friday, but it's so cool because now in an Instagram story, I don't know if you guys know this, but Instagram has changed the, um, the, the ability to link to things. So now in your story, it doesn't matter if you have 10,000 followers or not, um, you can actually link to whatever you want to link to. So now I'm going to be posting the Zen Parenting Moment every Friday, In the story, and you can actually link to it and read it, which I know sounds like, well, duh, you know, do that more often. But it's just kind of a new option on Insta, and that's really where I like to go. And then, if you want to subscribe, you can actually read the Zen Parenting Moment and right below you can subscribe or in our show notes. Yeah. Um. Again, just once a week, and it's kind of a nice discussion thing for you, your partner, your kids. I often tell people to send these to their kids. Yeah. So you can actually talk about it.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a platform or vehicle of discussion. Uh, and don't forget about uh, team zen Uh, if you're looking for more support in your mom or a dad or uh, we have exclusive content awesome community of parents we just did zen talk number 131 last week and we talked about out of rhythm partnerships screen time curfews and anxiety first month's free so check us out all right suffering
1: Okay. So let's get back to what we were talking about with marathons and I'm not going to focus just on marathons. It's just our step in the door. Is it, so Todd, I'll just ask you, you did a marathon when we were in our twenties or thirties. I can't remember which one. Um, and why did you do it?
0: Um, I want to see if I could.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I was, it was a challenge. It also was with an organization called team in training. So we raised money for leukemia, children with leukemia. And I still remember the girl's name who I sponsored. Her name was Jenny Hapeman. and I went to the zoo with her. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was kind of a, an interpersonal experience. Uh, I want to go to Ireland, drink some beer with my friends. Mm -hmm. I went with three friends, um, uh, yeah. And I, I wanted to be able to check something off my bucket list. And okay. By the way, I will never do another marathon. Again. <laughs> it was really hard.
1: So, you know, and I would say I've never done a marathon, but I used to, I used to do triathlons. And for me, there was this element of, um, goal setting, like the fact that I had to like in the morning, wake up early, either go swim, go ride my bike or go run two of which, Actually, all three, which I wasn't very good at. Yeah, let's me, just be honest. Me
0: neither. I'm not good at swimming, biking, or running. Me neither. Yeah, we both are triathletes.
1: We are, and you and I would train together, and you know, it was kind of a thing. And and I I have to say, I didn't really enjoy any of it. But there was a piece that what I was gunning for, going for, was the completion. Mm -hmm. And I had, because of my experience with 5Ks and a few 10Ks, um, but even that was too much for me, I knew how it felt to end something. Mm -hmm. Like where you like got to the finish line and you got, you know, they handed you the banana and the whatever, the bagel, and and you're like, I'm done. Um, And how that feels. And it's like a, this method of like, I'm going to do these things and and I'm going to use the word very gently here, suffer a bit so I can have this experience. And so let's just like leave that out there as far as not good or bad, but just as an an example of what we're talking about today, because... Oh, go ahead.
0: Before you leave that, Mm -hmm. um, on the triathlon itself, there was a little bit extra suffering for you (laughs) and I'll say two words and I'll invite you to explain why. The poop water. The
1: poop water. So the year that we did several, but one of the years that we did the triathlon in Chicago, there was this big problem with the water where there was like a sewage issue. Yeah. It, but it had been ongoing in Chicago, like where you would like you couldn't go in the water certain days. Yeah. A lot of water, and with, I don't. know. And the, we're talking about Lake Michigan. Yeah, Lake way.
0: Michigan, and it would they would test the water, yeah. and there was too much sewage backing up into <laughs> that part. Whatever.
1: Oh my god! So the day of the triathlon, they made it, an, and, and you got to think about how many people are doing the the chicago triathlon thousands. thousands okay and they actually made an announcement and said listen uh the water it's poop water today yeah. is basically we got, what <laughs> we got some poop water so of course you don't have to do that part mm-hmm. that's the first thing no one's going to force you to do that you know and second of all basically you've signed a waiver so swim at your own risk yeah they're like if you get sick this is not chicago's fault
0: and most triathletes including me ignored it and swam normally
1: well here's why i did not mm-hmm I, I did swim it, yes. but I did not swim like a normal human that I had been training yes. to... I swam like a dog, like a yeah. dog. Ate she
0: swam it. on her side, <laughs> keeping her, every, her neck up oh out of the water. And
1: it was so funny because my group went off before Todd's, mm-hmm. so Todd was walking along the lakefront mm-hmm. watching me mm-hmm. going, what are you doing? He was like yelling at me in the water. It's a long swim. So, But the reason why is two weeks before that I had had strep throat oh, yeah. and I was a therapist at the time, I worked at Laurie Children's Hospital and I had been out for five days, which as a therapist, that's a pretty significant mm-hmm. amount of t- for anybody. And I had been sick and I thought, okay, here I am doing this. And if I m- get sick because of this and have to take another day off work, yeah. this is going to be a problem. It's a big deal. So I just, you know, I kept my head out of the water. Yeah. I don't know if that really helped.
0: Your swim time was a little bit compromised.
1: <laughs> compromised. So anyway, can we move on yes. from these? I just
0: want to talk about the poop water.
1: Yeah, It was, it was interesting. Um... So, but there's a good example of suffering. I would say I don't know what the percentage was, but the vast majority of people Most did everybody
0: the water. ignored it.
1: Yeah. I don't know anybody who was like, I didn't do that. Yeah. So... But let's jump into the whole idea of like suffering being this way to determine that we are worthy human beings. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like- We must suffer. We must suffer. And it's funny because before, you know, I was thinking about this, like I said, with the New York Marathon, and I just decided to kind of like look up, you know, suffering and when suffering is good or bad. And every single article and website was to Christianity. Mm. Which I found to be really interesting, mm. or to religion. Yeah, Let okay. me just say religion, because okay. it's not just Christianity. So there's this connection with suffering and religion in in making it like Ted. If you just did it right now, you'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. like it's just everything is about Bible passages, and everything is about why we suffer. Like almost kind of an absolute answer yeah. about why we suffer, and I. As you know, I don't believe in absolute answers as far as I think it's super nuanced. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are things that we do where we believe we have to suffer to be good people. And I sometimes believe that we do deny suffering because we don't want to deal with it. And I sometimes think it's, and there are some people who have kind of a nice balance. Um, So let's talk about a few of these that I wrote down. So exhaustion as a status symbol.
0: Mm. Okay. Oh, I think we do that a lot.
1: Right. So exhaustion, and obviously I'm talking about sleep deficit, but also just overwhelm we have this belief that if we suffer and show other people how we work so hard and do so much, that then we're better.
0: Yeah. And it's almost not even just the suffering or the overwhelm. It's the dopamine hit we get when we complain to others about our overwhelm.
1: Oh, so explain that more. Like, that's interesting. So I you think, think it's we more-
0: Somebody's like, how are you doing? Oh my God, I'm so busy. Got it. I'm so busy. And then all of a sudden, I think that the person across from me is gonna value me more mm-hmm. because I'm a super busy person. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like our vehicle of connection these days is to talk about how busy we are when it's at it's as if we had no choice in the matter. right. We decided to have these kids. We decided to get the job that requires these things. like these are all things that we have decided to do, not all the things. some things sometimes things happen and we had no. Way to right. plan that out. Yeah. Sometimes people get sick. Oh, my 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 dad's sick. I'm so busy taking care of him. That's right. something I'm that I'm living you, in the
1: hospital. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but I I feel like we are out of balance by talking to everybody about how busy we are.
1: Yeah. So and how I,
0: overwhelmed we are.
1: I think exhaustion um, as a status symbol or as a feeling of power is it, it's like the it's the bet again it's another good way into this conversation because how many How many of us do that and how many of us feel that, you know, I used to challenge my clients all the time when they would laugh. I'd say, now the next time somebody asks you how you're doing, you know, fine is to like that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But telling people how busy you are is another... What if you said, I'm actually doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I feel really good. I got some good sleep last night. And just letting that sit there yeah. and see what the person across from you says. Yeah. Um. And just see how that feels to sit... And again, this is if it's true. Yeah. If I have a client who's actually feeling good. Yeah. And-
0: so, so what you're saying is there sometimes will be a client who's actually doing well, but they're so used to this exchange of information between one friend to another that our fallback is to talk about our busyness.
1: One of two things happens. Either they feel bad sharing that because they feel like they're somehow bragging. Some guilt. Um, They feel some guilt. Or number two, they then feel as the other person comes back with all the things they're doing, they feel less than. Mm -hmm. So the, the practice inside of there is, do you really believe that your days are um, are are full and that you feel pretty good about what you're doing. And if they do like, you know, I get up and I do this and sometimes I go for a walk and then I do my work and then I see a friend and then I'm with my kids at night and I feel pretty good. If, and again, that sounded like a glorious day. It's not always like that, but if you feel pretty good about it, can you let that sit out there without believing we're in competition with each other? Yeah. Yeah,
0: because they're worried about the other person's feelings. Like, oh, if I say I'm good and they're not, they're going to feel bad about their existence or how they're navigating their day. Exactly. Um, and my take, and this is probably me with my judgment hat on, and I complain about being busy too, and I certainly overvalue productivity. So I want to own that. But I feel like a lot of us are complaining about our overwhelm or our busyness, yet we're watching Netflix two and a half hours right. in a night. of course. Like, really you know, if you're busy with your kids or your work, but you're also, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you know, binging on a show, then that's fine. But you're busy doing something that you want to do, you know?
1: I do. And and I think, you know, I've kind of looked into this, Ted, for myself, not for other people. I don't have like data for them, but I have realized that there are certain times of the day that I'm really good at certain things. So what I mean by that is, um, obviously, every day I want to write and and not, I mean, I didn't write this weekend, Mm -hmm. but most days I want to spend some time writing. And, you know, I'm really good midday at writing.
0: That's your sweet spot.
1: It is. It's It's not the first thing I want to do. I want to usually, you know... Connect
0: with the girls, exactly. meditate. Meditate,
1: do all that kind of stuff. Eat, like kind of be with me. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, midday, I'm really good. A lot of times at night, like if it's past five or six o'clock, even if everyone was gone... For me, that would be a difficult time to write, yeah. and not impossible, but a little more work than usual. Yeah. It would take a little more. So, why brain, I'm, your brain
0: is a little fatigued,
1: and why I'm saying that is because, to your point, sometimes at night, depending on what we do for a living, our brain can only do so much. Yeah. It meaning that. I don't want it to be again, this is nuanced too. I don't want it to be a cop out. Mm-hmm. Like it's impossible for mm-hmm. me to work at night. Mm-hmm. That's not true. yeah, but there is like you and I used to teach a lot more at night, like seven p m we'd do a workshop or we would go, you know, mm-hmm. do a presentation. And while I'm still willing to do that occasionally, I realize that's not my best time of day. yeah, like that I usually want to be home at that time yeah. of day. So I've worked hard to do things at noon and that so I guess my point is is that sometimes the whole Netflix thing is a
0: it's an escape, but it's also self-care too, It's a right? self-care,
1: like yeah. I'm done, yeah. you know, like this, and not because I necessarily feel amazing about my day. I just don't have the brain capacity mm. right now to be the kind of productive person you may think I should be. Yeah. So there's part of that. But, but with that self-awareness, how do we utilize our day? Sure. Because if you are then, if you know you're most productive in the middle of the day and that's the time of day that you're doing things you don't really have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, this gets really... I don't think there's one way to do things and I don't like people who... Ske- or don't like people. I don't believe that we have to tell people to schedule your day in a specific way where you're constantly productive. Mm-hmm. I like to, ha- to have some um, creative inspirations in the day. Like I love it when you and I are having a busy day and then we decide to go to lunch yeah. and like totally disrupt that system. Yeah. Like I don't love like this is my day and this is what it looks like every day, um, at least for me. So... Um, the other thing, and it's very similar to exhaustion as a status symbol, is comparing pain. Mm. Do you find, you know, like that I'm using pain as kind of like, you know, it's a version of suffering of um, my emotional pain, my trauma, my experience with something is so difficult. And we're kind of, we may not talk, be talking about work, but we want other people to like have us win the game of suffering.
0: Yeah, and it's the game of life. And I do feel that um, I'm, I'm hyper aware of that. You know, I've said to so many clients and people and myself, you know, comparing pain is kind of fruitless because I feel like it's the ego just wanting to win something. Of
1: course, or vice versa, where you think your pain doesn't matter at all. Right, then right? You,
0: undervalue you undervalue your it. own experience. Mm-hmm. So once again, the answer is in the gray. It's not like it's not okay for you to share something with a friend that you're having a painful experience. Um, But when you start finding yourself measuring your pain versus somebody else's, whether it's higher than or less than, that's a pretty good indicator that you're in this kind of closed posture and, and you're in this kind of, I don't know, I would call it unconscious way of being.
1: Well, it's kind of connected to the Zen parenting moment that we were talking about the negative attention seeking is it's just another way of saying... Uh, my experience is worse than your experience and let me demonstrate why. Mm -hmm. And whatever you say, I am going to tell you why mine is worse. And then you can't win. I can win. And you can feel bad for me. Yeah. And it's, it's like an energy suck or an energy drag in the, so in it, and when we're talking about, so when we're talking about pain with each other, like I've had this experience or, you know, we've had similar traumas or just different, different experiences altogether. I think the the key is the ability to remember that everybody has something and that while your experience is um, vital for you to understand and it's valued and it is it should be spoken and you should totally understand it, the person across from you has things or a thing too. Mm-hmm. And so you don't say to them, you don't understand my pain or mine is worse. It's more like, here's mine mm-hmm. and has have you had this experience before too or how do you deal with yours? Mm-hmm. Or there's this way of like being able to offer our hearts.
0: Without comparing.
1: Without comparing.
0: Yeah, and I, for some reason I'm thinking of, you know, the way my mom passed away six years ago is she checked into hospital on a Wednesday and then she died of cancer three or four days later, which is kind of really strange and random and weird and then there's the other people they're like oh my god my my grandma was sick for 6 months in what in hospice well, I'm then, the other person yeah you're you're another example like your dad was sick for such a long time mine isn't any better or worse than yours right, they're right. just freaking different
1: right um so because it, they you could talk through both experiences you know um you know which Todd and I have like your mom's Death was so sudden and and we could have never predicted that that mm-hmm. was going to happen. So there was a sense of, I didn't have enough time. I didn't get to say the things. We didn't get to do the things. We didn't get clarity on this. So you could go that route, sure. but you could also go the route of she didn't have to suffer yeah. as much. We... Didn't have to suffer as much with the daily experience of being in the hospital, whereas obviously with my situation went on for years and years and years. We had plenty of time to Mm. work through certain things, deal with certain things, but we also had a significant um, time of carrying this weight. Exactly. So it's in, and you and I have never said no, mine or yours is worse. There is no winning. There is no winning. Mm
0: -mm. The minute that you're trying to win this game of life, Mm -hmm. you're going to (laughs) lose. Absolutely. Um, So you talked about pain and I love this quote and I don't know who said it. I first heard it from Tony Robbins, but the difference between pain and suffering, and I've shared this with Mm -hmm. you, do you remember what it is? Pain is when your model of the world does not match your reality. So that's pain. You know, you have an idea what the world's supposed to be like, and that's not the way it is. That's pain. Suffering is when you, your model of the world does not match your reality, and you feel powerless to do mm-hmm. anything about yes,
1: it. Yes, I, I agree with that. And
0: pain is a human condition that we all have. Suffering, you know, it's the old thing. Pain is, pain is mandatory, and suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, we there's always an ability to do something. And maybe that something is to get sad Mm -hmm. and to grieve.
1: Exactly. Like I was just going to say that, like you just said, and we're powerless to do anything about it. It doesn't mean that we have to change an outcome.
0: It's acceptance.
1: It's acceptance. like the work that we need to, so Todd, this is perfect. Okay. So one of the things I really want to discuss when it comes to suffering, because I knew that Todd and I would focus a lot on how, it may not always be necessary or we're using it as a status symbol or whatever. I want to go to the time when I think it's a healthy part of coping is grief. I don't think grief and suffering are synonymous, but I think there is suffering inside of grief. Okay. Um for example, just the example you gave is when someone we love dies. Mm-hmm. We are powerless to bring them back. Yeah. So there is suffering in that we are powerless, mm-hmm. right? But what we start to learn layer by layer is we start to reconnect to what it means to have loved somebody mm-hmm. and their physical presence isn't here. But what? how do we still experience them in our memory? How do we experience them through symbols and signs? How do we experience them through what we learned? But that takes time. Like grief to me, for I'll, I'll just speak in my experience rather than even clinically right now, is that grief is an ongoing process And I don't think it's ever done, but I do think it gets to a point where you can hold it Mm -hmm. without it being uncomfortable or disrupting every day of your life. Mm -hmm. So I think the initial stages of grief are time-consuming, overwhelming, they affect your physicality, they affect the way you see the world. And that is because something has happened that causes you to question existence the way you experience life and then you have to re you have to integrate this piece into your understanding so do you envision like having all these pieces your body's all put together and you have to put this other piece somewhere mm. and you don't know where it fits yeah so you're you're having to reposition everything and that takes time and it's painful um but once it gets kind of integrated meaning you've accepted it you understand it and even though it's still painful and not the the greatest thing, Mm -hmm. you understand its purpose. Well,
0: and you can, yeah. Like, and I think this is the same what you're saying, just the idea of emotion. So we're talking about pain Mm -hmm. or sadness when Mm -hmm. somebody dies. All of our emotions, in my judgment, if we can get present and get clear and get out of the way and let these emotions come through, each one of them has some wisdom Mm -hmm. on the other side of it. You can't get the wisdom while you're in it, by the way. Um, you can have, the, you can get the wisdom afterwards. So sadness that just means something ne- needs to be let go of. Mm-hmm. Fear means something needs to be known. There's something out there I'm afraid of it, and you need to make it known. Um, anger is something needs to be stopped.
1: Boundaries. Boundaries. Boundaries have been crossed.
0: Joy mm-hmm. means something needs to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've, I just talked to my buddy yesterday about like, when was the last time we like. Jumped for joy, like as men, as 50 or 49 year old men, that we literally jumped for joy. And his, um, the last time he remembered jumping for joy was when the Broncos beat somebody in 1994. Yeah. And that was 25 years ago. So even, it's not even just the expression of these more uncomfortable emotions, it's also, the expression of the easy ones joy we don't as guys and maybe it's as as anybody we don't give ourselves permission to truly be present and experience and express whatever it is that's inside
1: of us and then to remember one of my daughters said to me we went on a walk this weekend and she was she was talking about something that was frustrating her and she said yeah she's like, what I've realized about this is this experience, and I won't, it's her story, but she's like, this experience will always make me mad. She goes, and every time it comes up or somebody else does it, I always get mad first. But she's like, I, she didn't like, she didn't use adult language. Like I worked through it, but she was like, I've accepted that it gets me mad yeah. first. And I'm not like upset that I get mad about mm-hmm. this. Yeah. It, it was kind of like this, you know, this is my emotional reaction to it. And she's not reactive in yeah. the mad. But instead of being like, I sh- this shouldn't make me mad, or I'm tired of this making me mad. She's like, this thing just makes me mad. Sure. And then she moves on. So I was, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about is like, like your emotions, they are what the, you know, and I said this a couple weeks ago, but they're called a certain thing for a reason. So when we're like, yeah, I experience pain, and then I breathed and I just didn't feel it. I'm like, well, then that wasn't pain. Mm-hmm. Like you when you feel pain, it's pain. uncomfortable. And you you can breathe through it, but it is what it is. We're not trying to turn pain into joy. If
0: you're breathing it to avoid it or right. get rid of it, yeah. it's probably a little bit, I don't know. Not. It's probably not the best way to go about it. And instead, if you just be with whatever it is that's happening inside your body, it does its own thing. Yeah, it it
1: works through. Get out of the way. It's a version of you know we could call it denial. We could call it spiritual bypassing. It it just depends on the situation and who you are. So there is no absolute answer to that. But I you know sometimes, um, you know, like with pain, for example, I had a headache yesterday. I hadn't had one in a while, a couple weeks at least, which is really good for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll get a headache and I forget. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it, you know, and I've been having these for decades, but I'll be like, oh, yeah, like pain. I told Todd that it took me a while to even realize it was pain. I, was, I kept thinking it was something else. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have to slow down. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I have to lay down.
0: So I want to ask you about your headaches. Oh, OK. Um, and as your relationship with the pain around it. But before I do that, I want to talk about our partner of the month. And it's Let It Be Us. Will you go ahead and tell people what Let It Be Us is, sweetie? Well,
1: something kind of cool is that the month of November is National Adoption Month across the United States. And National Adoption Month has been celebrated for over two decades in an effort to raise awareness about the thousands of teens currently in foster care who are waiting for their own permanent and loving families.
0: Let It Be Us is recruiting families in the state of Illinois who are committed to supporting teens and their success. Their new initiative is to help young people between the ages of 16 and 24 who are currently in foster care in the state of Illinois.
1: Let It Be Us is committed to recruiting new families, helping them secure a foster care license, and then being there to support the family in any way possible.
0: Who can join anyone who is a good citizen and wants to help a child who has a really big heart and a desire for serious commitment and a deep connection. If you want to learn more, go to letitbeus.org or you can go directly to the show notes where you'll find I'll I'll link to the site in the show notes. And we also did a podcast uh, with uh, the founder, Susan McConnell, and she brought a family with her who was impacted through this foster care and adoption process. So check out that podcast that we did a few years ago. Um, And thanks to Let It Be Us. All right. So when you have a headache, my darling... Yes. um, For some reason, I think of Oprah was telling a story one time when she was sick and she had this big event. Uh And then she was resisting what was. Mm -hmm. And what was is her body was ill. Mm -hmm. And then she eventually um, accepted it and just allowed herself to be ill and Mm -hmm. not try to do anything. Mm -hmm. So I I think when you have a headache... Are you good at the acceptance part or... Because for me, when I get a headache, I'd be like, it shouldn't be this way. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder what you... Because you've had such an interesting history or experience with headaches. Are you good at accepting the isness of the headache or are you like, this shouldn't be?
1: No, I'm not good at it at all. Yeah, I'm better than I used to be, but I don't think anybody experiences pain and says, oh, But isn't that the pathway? Well, yeah, but see, like the the Oprah story that you just told, which I have heard too, and I've heard her tell it and everything, is the part of it that that is the beautiful part but is also the unfortunate part in the story is she's like – and then I just – I just gave into it and the next morning I was fine. Mm -hmm. And so when someone tells that story, which I believe that was true for Oprah, I'm Mm -hmm. not denying that, but then someone's like, well, I'm just going to give into it because I want to be fine faster. Mm -hmm. Like it really is an acceptance. It's I'm going to go this way because I'm going to get the outcome I want. It's still like a... I'm going to win this thing.
0: Well, and we all experience this like, I don't know, a week or two ago, I was in this kind of low energy state. You might want to call it a depressed state where I just, you know, everything seemed hard and, and, um, I'm gifted in that like, oh, okay. I'm just having a bad day, but I never feel, not never, I rarely feel bad about feeling bad. Do you know what I mean? Like You do though. I you, do you don't
1: in theory. When you and I talk about it, you can. And when I say this, I don't mean you're lying. But you can talk a good game about it because you understand yourself. But you are not comfortable
0: with your discomfort. I'm just telling. I'm sharing with you my inner dialogue.
1: Right, and that's what I mean. Is inner dialogue is different. That okay? Keep going because I. So my to
0: inner talk- dialogue is: you shouldn't be a victim in this situation. You shouldn't. Uh, everything should be expansive, mm-hmm. and I say to myself. In my head, not audibly, oh, you're just, you're in this low energy state, so just be okay without, while not being okay. I'm not saying that that's what I show to you, but I'm telling you when I'm, it's not like it's 100%, but... That's, that's my pattern of thoughts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 totally believe you and you don't need to show me anything. Like I'm not saying, well then demonstrate to me, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. I don't need proof. But I guess what I mean is even this conversation is interesting because the truth is, is I could tell you all these ways that I have gotten so much better at the experience of having a headache, um, where I am in more acceptance. I have found different types of help. I know what I need to do. So Yes, there is part of me that is very much like, okay, I know what I need to do, and I am mm-hmm. in acceptance. But there is a much deeper part of me, um, or much more ingrained, or whatever, where I'm like, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. This is not I not today, not now, not ever. And I don't. Um, and that isn't. I think that's just survival of like, you know. Two hours ago, I felt fine, and now I don't, and I don't want this. Yeah. And I think that's a part of the process. Is that I? It took me a while to even realize I was having pain. I know that sounds weird to people, but have you ever done that? Like you walk around, you've got sure. a pebble in your shoe.
0: When you first, <laughs> when I first start feeling sick, I'd be like, yeah. "Wow, I'm just tired," or yeah. "How come I'm not doing that?" And then I realize, "Oh, oh yeah, my body is not well right yeah. now." And it takes a while for my brain to realize it.
1: Totally. And which is weird for me because I, I, my experience with headaches has been so common that you'd think I'd be like, oh, but yeah. it's been, I think the last headache I had, it was a block party. So was that two and a half weeks ago? Two yeah, three it was, weeks I ago?
0: think it was, it was two weekends ago. And
1: so that's a pretty long time for Kathy Adams. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, you know, I'm very grateful. And that's another phase is like I, in my meditation area, there are post-its everywhere that say, if you feel good today... You're ninety five percent of the way mm. there, and what I mean by there is that you're blessed, yeah. or you're that's a gift in itself. Right. Because when I don't feel good, everything is so much harder, yeah. and I it's one of those th- I could I I'm not going to, but I feel like I could cry because there is, you kind of look at other people who are doing things, and you're like I it's so funny, Todd. This is me right now thinking that my pain is worse. I'm going through it right now where I'm like, I look at other people. I'm like, you are exerting yourself, but I am exerting myself 10 times more right now. You don't know what it's like to be me. Exactly. So I'm doing exactly what I was talking about. But I do, you know... I don't like it. And mm. I last night when I finally decided I get to a point with a headache where I gotta hang up, you know, throw in the towel mm-hmm. and say that I'm not gonna get the things done that I thought I was gonna get done. I wanted to uh Dyson the upstairs. Mm. I love my vacuum and I just wanna vacuum. And I wanted to... Get, that makes one of us. I wanted to get ready for these podcast interviews we have this week. And I wanted to, you know, text one of my friends. And I had all these things. You had a plan. And I couldn't do it. And, or I I realized it wasn't in my best interest. Yeah. And
0: you could have like bowled your way through it, but there would have been a, a cause and an impact to that as well.
1: And that's kind of the, that's where I've gotten better.
0: So this might be, um, you might have to work through this with me, but okay. for some reason, I think of Jeff Foster, who's an author, he wrote a book called The Deepest Acceptance, Radical uh-huh. Awakening, in an Awakening in an Ordinary Life. And I remember reading that book and we talked, he, he started talking about when pain shows up, whether it's mental pain inside your head or if it's physical pain or emotional pain in your body. And he's like, there's no reason, like when we think we can't deal with something, like the death of a mom mm-hmm. or um, a child who just... Was um, diagnosed with something. Or or the, the kid comes home getting her heart broken from an intimate relationship or whatever. I remember him saying something to the effect of you can handle it because you're already aware of it. It's already in you. Like, and it's almost like an oversimplification of it. But when we think we can't handle something, the fact that you're already aware of it and it's in, you've you
1: already handled you're,
0: it. You, mm-hmm. You've already handled it. Right. And I'm like, and I thought that that's either like, so oh, an oversimplification of what it means to be human, or it's like pure genius. Like it's, it's here.
1: Right. And the thing that you can handle, and this is where I get, you know, this is where I I see these pieces coming together, is handling it doesn't mean then you don't feel pain because of it. And I think that's the misunderstanding that people have is when someone will say, well, then you've handled it, people will say, but it's not easy for me. And it's like, no, no, handling it isn't easy. Mm -hmm. Handling it is with my therapist, something that she and I, or I came up with it in EMDR, but it was with the, you know, with her help is we're talking about something that I was worried about, stressed about is she was like, well, what do you do in any of these situations? And I was like, I walk through and I do what I have to do. Mm -hmm. She's like, that's, I always do that. Yeah, Like, I can't think of a thing in my life where I haven't walked through and I've done what I have to do. Now, who doesn't do that? That's Don't give me a prize for that. But I guess my point is, is you walk through and you do what you have to do. So of course you can handle it because you have to. And that is the misunderstanding is I was still in pain while I was walking through, mm-hmm. emotional or physical, whichever.
0: What we do is we layer, I'm going to say anguish or- Suffering or resistance mm-hmm. or suffering on top of, like c- c- to your point, you're going to walk through whatever this is exactly. that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. What we do is we tell ourselves a story about it. Correct. And I think what I'm trying to communicate through the wisdom of Jeff Foster or what we're talking about here is just don't add that extra layer of mental chatter about why something shouldn't be the way it is
1: and the problem with that even though i agree with you in theory is that our brains are hardwired to solve problems yeah. so when we're like well how will i do this tomorrow how will i do this for a week i will not have the capacity to do this i will not have the resources for this what if and what do what do i hear all the time from people and so do you my child is struggling with this right now what if they become this mm-hmm. you know it it's as it's as it begins when they're two and they bite someone for the first time and parents are like, what if my kid becomes the biter in school? And then it becomes the kid who bullies someone. What if my kid becomes the bully in high school or college? Like we take the information in the moment. And we
0: give it a meaning that is probably not true. So I think what I'm saying is, and what we're saying here together is don't give it more meaning than it deserves. Right now, my kid is having a bad day or whatever right now my mom is sick those are all things like, we're not pretending that those things aren't happening but just don't give it extra meaning
1: and the way that i do this because i'm going to speak from experience um, is you just do today yeah and i'm telling you there's some things i know all of us can relate to this with the pandemic and school and our kids and our challenges where i have been given so many opportunities to practice this mm-hmm. and it doesn't i don't like it. I don't like it when something else comes up and I'm like, Oh, I have to practice this mindfulness thing again. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to call it mindfulness. Just call it just do today. Yeah. Um, I know, I know it to be a mindfulness thing. Cause that's all that mindfulness is, is pay attention to this moment, yeah. you know? Um, and really just the overall self-compassion understanding of you know the three aspects of self-compassion are treat yourself as you would a friend, understand the common humanity of your experience in that you're not alone, and practice mindfulness, which is just do today. So the thing I've learned for those of you who are parents who are listening about my kids is a lot of times when I'm worried about something with my kids, I really take it on my own back and think that it's up to me to solve it. And really what it's up to me to do is maybe to help or get the resources I need. It's not that I'm completely disconnected from it, but I forget that another human is involved,
0: them. Who has every ability (laughs) to... Take their version of what their responsibility in this process is, also.
1: And do and have their own process. Mm-hmm. And I so forget that because my, and I also forget that Todd's available to me. Like sometimes I just think I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very, I don't know if this is an every mom thing or an every parent thing or it may not be gender specific, but sometimes I'm just like, this is all on me. Yeah. And I really believe that. And I walk through the days thinking, I have to do all the things and then I kind of forget. I'm like, oh yeah, Todd loves this person as much as I do too. So maybe I should ask him mm-hmm. to help. Or the if I'd about my children, sometimes the things that they end up doing or the choices they make, I could have never predicted. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a positive way. Sure. Like all of a sudden they can do it.
0: They have their own wisdom right. that they can tune into as long as we can right. get out of their way. And that doesn't mean you ignore them or we ignore them. Uh, but can we allow them to have their own process? And it's tricky.
1: It is. And and within this, like the last two things I want to talk about with this, and they can, they're they kind of similar, is self-sabotage and self-blaming. Mm. Is I think it's similar to what you just said about don't pile that on yourself. I think that sometimes, not only in the midst of crisis, do we then do this whole self-blaming, or I did this, or, you know, But then when we aren't in crisis, we self-sabotage because we think we should be suffering in some way. Either one or two reasons. Either things are going well and we're doing the when will the other shoe drop, Mm -hmm. which is complete waste of our time. One of the things, you know, we talk about Brene Brown's research all the time, but probably the most helpful thing she offered in regards to vulnerability was the fact that that whole like, I'm going to prepare for the other shoe to drop does not help. That that sense of worry does not keep you from getting a, ahead of a challenge.
0: I think we as human beings sometimes get um, worried when nothing is wrong. Uh, naturally. And we create. Correct. Some, because then we're at least in some type of re- reactive, responsive. Like there's something that we can... You know, we'll create problems because we don't know what to do with ourselves when there are none.
1: And the reason we don't want to go to self-blaming about that is that is the way our brains are wired. So we don't need to say, "Well, what's wrong with me? There must be a problem because I do that." That is the way you are wired, and you may have also used that capacity to survive in some way. We all do, but maybe in a more—you may have used it more, uh, Mm -hmm. more often, you know, because of your circumstances. So that was like a coping mechanism. So we can't just say, don't do that, because you will. But when you do it, can you see what you're doing? I'll give you an example. We'll talk about having a headache. And then when I have a headache, all I want to do is go sit outside and look at the trees. And I just want to breathe air and love the people I love. And life becomes very simple. Yeah. Then my headache goes away, and I'm mad that I didn't finish something at 2 o'clock.
0: Yeah, your world becomes increasingly larger.
1: Exactly, or like... I'll be waiting for, I always have all my tests this in October, like, you know, my gynecological appointment, my mammograms, all those kind of things. I usually do that around this time of year. And so, and they're all done and everything's fine. But when I'm waiting for all those test results, I'm always like all, you know, like I'm so blessed and my life is so amazing. And again, all I want to do is sit outside and look at the trees and, you know, I just hope I'm all well. And then I get all these test results back and they're, and they're good. And then I like, forget that feeling. Mm-hmm. I forget that. You know when a crisis dissipates, even you even call those cri- Those aren't really crises, mm-hmm. but when a pain dissipates, or like
0: well, it's not even pain. It's it's um, uh, worry potential potential pain. challenge. Right.
1: Exa- great point. It's potential challenge. But even like I'm thinking about when you and I have lived in hospitals with people who are sick. You know we slept on floors of hospitals with people we love. Obviously prior to the pandemic, where you can't even do that anymore, yeah. and. You're like, if I could only just be home and have a meal at home, and then you go home and you're like bored. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, we are, and and I'm telling people this, not hopefully so they see themselves, but also to realize that that is what we do yeah. as humans. But can you notice it? And then while you're at home, making that meal, say, I'm going to appreciate that I'm at home. Yeah, Gratitude is really, gratitude is the way to get through these moments. Yeah. So anything else, Todd?
0: I don't think so. Okay. I feel good. Okay. Um, I do want to say thank you to our other partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. You can reach him at avidco.net or just give him a call, 630-956-1800. I also coach guys one-on-one, one. Uh, first session's free. So if there's any guys out there that want to work on themselves, give me a shout. ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Anything else?
1: Uh, just a reminder that uh, Zen Parenting, the book, is for sale. It's uh, You can pre-order it right now at zenparentingradio.com. And um, that's it.
0: Keep trucking, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are
0: always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to our Zen Parenting moment. Actually, that's Sweetie's Zen Parenting moment. (laughs) If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen or pre-ordering if you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com.
1: If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking and we will talk to you again next week.